Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, October 10th. Coming up, the new stadium going up on Kansas City's riverfront is the first in the world built specifically for professional women's soccer. And that means a lot to fans. When you invest money in something, it shows that you respect people. And I think that's something that women's sports have long needed and deserved. And I think this is really just a a really dramatic (laughs) example of, hey, we believe in you and we want you to succeed. How a stadium in Kansas City could narrow the financial gulf between men's and women's professional sports. But first, some headlines. Pharmacists at Walgreens and CVS are threatening to walk off the job again, saying staffing levels are dangerously low. KCUR's Sam Zeff has more. In a survey last year, the Kansas Pharmacy Board found that 57 percent of pharmacists thought staffing in their stores was unsafe. 63 percent said there aren't enough pharmacy technicians, and 49 percent said they don't always get a lunch break. The survey discovered that many respondents believe their employers require them to fill too many prescriptions a day to be safe. In a statement last month, the Missouri Pharmacy Board said it was aware of concerns about working conditions and reminded employers about recommendations on staffing, rest breaks, and work quotas. The board said it was also increasing its investigations into complaints about pharmacy working conditions. At least 425 people will be tested for tuberculosis this week after a student at Olathe Northwest High School tested positive. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. The student was contagious as early as last spring, which is why there are so many close contacts. They can test at a clinic that opens Thursday. Charlie Hunt is the director of Johnson County's health department. He says test results might take a few weeks due to the number of possible close contacts. You think about the the aspect of the the kind of the school day uh, with the student that is, that is changing classes throughout the day, but they're they're in that class uh, consistently throughout the week and so forth. So the, that's why there's a potential for a large number of contacts. Hunt says tuberculosis isn't transmitted as easily as the flu or COVID, but catching cases early is key to preventing spread. A group that advocates for older Kansans is asking lawmakers to legalize medical marijuana and expand the health care program Medicaid. Joe Bluebaugh of the Kansas News Service reports. The Kansas Silver-Haired Legislature says a number of uninsured Kansans in rural areas are a risk to hospital viability, while medical cannabis is vital to seniors suffering from conditions such as Alzheimer's and chronic pain. Members of the group voiced their concerns about legalization leading to crime. George Hanna, the executive director of Kansas Normal, told the group that legalization in other states has helped curtail illegal marijuana distribution. We've had a giant shift socially into the acceptance of this plan in most of the country, thereby reducing the the demand in in the market of the black market. Other resolutions advanced by the body include protecting voting rights for seniors and lowering taxes on Social Security. Latino communities in Kansas City are beginning to celebrate Dia de los Muertos. KCUR's Zach Perez reports. People gathered this weekend at the Maddie Rhodes Cultural Center in Kansas City's west side for the yearly Dia de los Muertos Family Festival. It features exhibits from local Latino artists as well as several ofrendas or shrines built to honor deceased relatives of local families. Robert Sacastume, who is originally from Honduras, says events like this expose him to other Latino traditions. I'm not Mexican, so I'm always open to like learn more about like the meaning behind it and the culture. Being able to like learn a little bit more and then maybe 
kind of replicate something similar. Day of the Dead is traditionally celebrated in Mexico on November 1st and 2nd. The ofrendas at Maddie Rhodes are on display until the end of October. The Maddie Rhodes Center will hold a parade to celebrate the holiday on November 3rd. We'll be back after this. Kansas City Today podcast is supported by City Year. City Year puts the leadership skills of AmeriCorps mentors to work in public school classrooms. Students build on their strengths academically and socially to become the people they want to be. Learn more at cityyear.org slash Kansas City. Kansas City's professional women's soccer team has played its last home game in Children's Mercy Park. Women's professional soccer is drawing record attendance and spawning more teams next year. But despite the growing popularity, no U.S. team plays in a stadium of its own. KCUR's Frank Morris reports a new stadium going up on the Missouri River will change that and maybe even launch a new era in women's sports. Kansas City has a painful history with women's soccer. It had a team. FC Casey, that won two national championships before owners pulled the plug. The new team, just finishing its second season, is the Kansas City Curse. Make some noise for your Kansas City Curse! But like all U.S. women's soccer clubs, the current plays in a stadium built for another team. But that's changing, and fans like Maribeth Thompson and Aaron Atherton are stoked. Women get their own stadium and we get to be put on the maps. It's incredible to happen to live in a city that's building the first stadium for a women's professional team. Like, I can't believe our luck, so like, we can't wait for it to open and to go to that first game. But there's a lot of work to do between now and the home opener. So it's hurry up time, we're getting close to the finish line. Gotta be ready to play soccer in March. And as you can see, it's still a construction site. Scott Jenkins, vice president of facilities development for the Kansas City Current, is walking past heavy equipment, big holes in the ground, toward the swooping white steel frame of a budding new stadium. This is everything a world-class stadium is going to be. I would say it's intimate and it's purpose-built for women's sports. For one thing, it's going to be relatively small. Arrowhead Stadium, where the Kansas City Chiefs play football, holds more than 76,000 people. The new KC Current Stadium will top out initially at 11,500. I'm looking forward to seeing it packed. Katrina Hawkins, who runs the team's fan club, says all the seats will be close to the action. Players won't see empty stands, and the stadium's engineered to be extra loud. It'll be decked in teal and red, the KC Current's team colors. But the fan club is called KC Blue Crew. That name honors the team's earlier women's soccer team, the one abandoned by ownership. Hawkins says the new $125 million stadium is a concrete commitment to the future of women's soccer here. When you invest money in something, it shows that you respect people. And I think that's something that women's sports have long needed and deserved. And I think this is really just a, a really dramatic <laughs> example of, hey, we believe in you and we want you to succeed. Part of the money for the new stadium comes from Brittany Mahomes, who played college soccer before marrying Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. The Casey Current's other co-owners are professional investors. Chris Long, I'm the CEO and founder of Palmer Square Capital Management. Long's enthusiastic about women's soccer, same with his daughter and wife. He says the new stadium is making a statement, but mainly it's about making money. 
we think this has multiples of growth in it. And we've spent a lot of time around the financial modeling. We did a ton of due diligence. Well, he says the new stadium is close to being sold out for next year. And season tickets are steep, upwards of $600. The stadium's going in in a long neglected and super visible section of Riverfront, anchoring new development at the foot of the Kitbon Bridge. You can't miss it driving in from the Northland on I-35. That location and the first of its kind narrative are fueling a marketing buzz around the team. The current's only two years old, not all that successful, and yet its flags and t-shirts are all over town. And the club is already worth more than all but two other National Women's Soccer League teams. Which brings in more and more investors, brings in more and more corporate sponsors, brings a higher level of media. There's very much a momentum begets momentum uh, approach to um, showing what facilities can do for professional Sports. Long says that showing the potential of building a new women's soccer stadium in a smaller city smack in the middle of the country could help other women's teams move out of men's arenas, get stadiums of their own, and start closing the huge financial gap between men's and women's sports. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadi. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. Today is Paris's last day working on the show, and we want to thank him for helping us sound amazing. To read Frank's story about the Kansas City Current's new stadium, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Rachel Martin, you probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Back in 1948, black families in Johnson County got fed up with the quality of education at a two-room schoolhouse. So they started their own school in living rooms. We fixed it up as near as a classroom as we could. I thought it was great. How a lengthy school boycott and six very brave children led to the integration of a Kansas grade school five years before Brown v. Board. Check it out on the podcast of People's History of Kansas City. 